When we have a cold smoothie bowl, it goes into the stomach and sits there and just puts out the digestive fire. Your body has to bring it to room temperature before it can even begin to start to digest it. Welcome to Consciously Alive, a weekly podcast about how to live outside the rules, go against the norm, and consciously create a life that lights you up and makes you come alive. I'm your host, Phoebe Greenacre. I'm a spiritual business coach, somatic therapist, and founder of The Self-Care Space. I'm equal parts business and equal parts wellness, and I'm here to tell you anything is possible. Let's dive in. Today's Consciously Alive guest, we have Michelle Hansen coming on. Michelle is a Chinese medicine uh, acupuncturist, a naturopath, a women's health specialist. She has worked um, for decades in women's health and is super excited today to share with you some of the myths that we may think that we uh, know what's best for our body, um, especially women's bodies. So we're going to chat and go dive deep into how to feel healthy as a woman and the things, tools, tips, and foods that we can eat or add into our lives that will help us be more alive. Let's dive in. Welcome, Michelle. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? (laughs) So good. I'm so happy to have you on the podcast. Um, I have so many questions from our community and from our listeners all about health and women's health. And I wanted to get you on here because you're, you know, you've been working in women's health for how many years? Three decades. <laughs> Three decades is a long time. You've worked in fertility clinics. You, you actually live here in Bali, which is how we met. Exactly. So do you want to tell a little bit about your story, how you got into this work, and then how you got to Bali? Sure. Well, I'll try not to bore the listeners and make it fairly quick. I actually um, started studying acupuncture in 1988. So I had just turned 20 coming out of a um, science degree, and I had always wanted to work in some sort of medical field, but um, everything was always focused on sick people. So obviously I wanted, I was also an athlete, like did athletics at a pretty high level. So optimum wellness and fitness is pretty critical when you're at a high level. So you're always trying to get that you know, edge. So, um, and always looking at sort of how do I be healthier and better and modern medicine just doesn't deal with any of those things, obviously. So I I picked that up very quick. Mm. Um, So in 1998, I I went and um, started initially naturopathy. My first year was naturopathy and um, started to learn a little bit about Chinese medicine. And in my second year, I did a couple of subjects on Chinese medicine and after that I was like this is really where I'm comfortable and basically then went on and did a four-year acupuncture Mm. degree and I did also naturopathy because I was nearly done by the time I converted. So um, yeah, I fell in love with Chinese medicine 
probably the first thing I always, I was a traveler. So I was always into other cultures and other paradigms of thinking about things, which Chinese medicine is very complete. Um, and acupuncture, I mean, to be honest, the first time I had it, I was a bit horrified. <laughs> but it worked. I'd never had such um, rapid results from anything I'd done. And I'd pretty much tried just about everything by the time I was, you know, 21, you know, you name it, hypnosis, everything. So, yeah, so it worked so well. And, um, yeah, so that led, obviously, to me becoming an acupuncturist and Chinese medicine. And then I, I had three daughters in my 20s. Um, so I've been in practice, yeah, three decades. And probably what's led me into focusing on women's health is it basically works and I'm a pretty practical person and I like things that give good results. Um, there's nothing mystical about it. It's based on its own scientific principles and mm. um, philosophy. And um, yeah, I've just, you know, over the decades seen how little women can fall on Western medicine. I've basically any period issues, PMS, I mean, back in my day, um, I'm 56, you know, I mean, PMS wasn't even really acknowledged as being a thing. It was still, you know, women being neurotic or whatever, although Chinese medicine has always recognized this pattern. And Western medicine, other than, you know, cut out endometriosis or put young girls on the pill to treat hormone imbalance um, really doesn't have a lot of tools and whenever you're looking at treating any form of illness it's like what does this practitioner have in the toolkit what what are they able to do and while i think western medicine is amazing emergency medicine you know, I think it definitely is wonderful in its place. My daughter herself works in a in emergency, so I know quite a bit about it. Um, but in terms of maintaining wellness, optimal health, and women's hormone issues at this point in time, I think women have to look outside Western medicine. Mm. Yeah, completely. I've been a believer since I think my mum was taking me to acupuncture from about eight or nine. My uncle was a acupuncturist in Sydney. So I've awesome. always, always had little needles being poked into me and moxa and um, all that type of stuff. So people at home that maybe don't, don't know about acupuncture or don't know what um, it can help treat, I know there's a long list, but what are some of the main things that people are coming to you to see you about? And maybe just a little highlight of like what acupuncture is and how it works with, you know, the meridian points and the body and the organs and that kind of thing. I'll try and keep it brief. <laughs> it's a big question. I mean, nowadays I'm mostly focusing on women's health issues. So um, the whole body for a woman is basically driven by the hormones men's hormones are the same every day women's hormones are different every day and this drives our whole physiology 
and our neurochemistry. They just started doing some research um, on the neurochemistry of the female brain and how different the neurochemistry is at different phases through the months. I mean, in Chinese medicine, we've all, always known this, but this is the first time somebody's doing their doctorate on it and providing the science to back it up. And because of actually this, I, I, would you believe up from, I think it was 1977 to 1993, 1993, they actually excluded women from medical studies. studies and particularly pharmacology studies because of our fluctuating biochemistry, we're just considered too difficult to run trials on. And subsequently, subsequently, most of the drugs that they've removed from the market have been because of their deleterious effects on females. Um, yeah. So I've moved mostly into that area now because I just, it's you know, just such a good form of medicine. Um, but I also treat a lot of digestive complaints. Acupuncture is amazing for digestive complaints. Nervous system dysregulation, it's amazing for because it actually works on the nervous system. So any sort of nervous system dysregulation, which is basically everybody these days, um, particularly in cities, even in Bali where you think everybody should be chilled out, living an island life, you know, you can change your location but doesn't change this. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people just bring their problems and their nervous system with them despite it's a calmer mm. environment. Um, so a lot of nervous system disorders which, you know, m which... Um, present themselves mood disorders, anxiety, depression, eating disorders, um, insomnia, sleep disorders. Um, so I tend to treat a lot of that. But acupuncture obviously is also great for musculoskeletal stuff, um, men's health, fertility, um, fertility. Of, well, periods. Fertility. Well, see, this is, um, yeah, all of its extension of what I is covered in hormone imbalance, but yeah. a lot of people don't realise it's hormonal imbalance drives PMS, infertility, fertility issues, all these things. So, mm. yeah. So um, many things. Remember the word acupuncture is a translation of a Chinese word, which is Jinglo. I actually, I think I've told you, I also have a degree in Asian studies and speak Chinese. Because of simple things like this, it's not just sticking needles in. The word Jing Lo actually means channels or meridians and connections. It's not just about where Qi or you can, the yogis know it as prana. Mm. It's not just the pathways, it's how they flow. It's how they connect, which mm. is equally important. So it's better to think of it like a spider's web. Everything's inter interconnecting rather than the way Western sort of version sees lines running down the body. Yeah. It doesn't work like that. It's not. It's channels and connections. Um, so basically by understanding the way that chi flows through the body, we're able to manipulate the way that the energy is flowing through the body. So 
pain is always, for instance, not if, but maybe, always a blockage of energy flow. But mm. you don't have to stick the needle where the pain is. Mm. You know, it's a little bit like a light. You don't turn the light on from the light bulb. We can flick a switch because the switch is connected to the light bulb. So acupuncture is the same. We don't have to needle the area where mm. it's painful. Um, he headaches, migraines are a great example. You know, it's in balance of chi and we never touch the head in fact we use points on the feet this is another area that acupuncture is amazing for people who suffer chronic migraines it's not me having some miraculous powers it's medicine but anybody with a mac um a, a migraine who goes to a well-trained acupuncturist they should be able to get rid of it in about five minutes uh, where were you yeah. last week <laughs> <laughs> Here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I need I need that, and I know so many people that do suffer from migraines need that. Like, there's 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 almost like minutes or seconds before it gets just too overwhelming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they need it's those not, solutions. It's not particularly hard to treat at all. Um, so generally, it involves um, a practitioner. Will I get people to fill out an online form so I can focus on? The body and not be asking yeah. questions before they come in look at the tongue a lot of abdominal palpation um, pulse taking which um, is critical in diagnosis um, and then according to the pattern that we see we apply acupuncture um, you know to certain points that are going to give us the the outcome we want and also I always generally prescribe Chinese herbs to support the physical body to achieve um, what we're looking for. Yeah, amazing. And la yeah, lasts about an hour. So that's that's the basic yeah. acupuncture session rundown. Completely. And I think for people at home that are maybe thinking about going and like, oh, I hate needles, they are so yeah. tiny that it's not like an injection. It's like they're microscopic. They're like super tiny. <gasps> sometimes you don't even feel them. They're so tiny. There's not even any blood. And it also uh, depends on the sensitivity of the person. But if I know somebody's sensitive, I'll choose even finer needles. And Japanese-style acupuncture um, is actually painless. It's another technique, um, and that can be painless. So I tend to use it on children and those who are extremely sensitive, but most Westerners aren't the size of Japanese people, so I feel we yeah. need a bit of a stronger um, impact on the chi flow. So completely, and and dogs mm. and can have acupuncture as well. I've seen that on the island, which is yes, wow. dogs, um, horses. Uh, I tend to avoid children and animals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people choose not to work with children and animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, although. Yeah, they can be very time-consuming because, if, yeah, obviously having three children, I know them well, and if they do not wish to comply, yes, uh, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. So I'll Completely. leave that for the ones who want people who want to specialise in, in yeah. children and animals. 
So let's talk about now your transition from uh, Sydney to Bali and what did that look like? Because a lot of people, they message me daily saying, how did you move to Bali? How did you make it possible? Um, So let's talk about that, maybe just how you ended up choosing Bali and what your life is like here. Yeah, it's a good question because people, and they probably say, oh, you're so lucky. And my response all the time is, Luck had nothing to do with this. I made a conscious decision I wanted to move here and then put the pieces in place to be able to make, um, be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And it was so much easier than I anticipated. Um, but, of course, there's things to put in place. For me, the big thing, obviously, I needed to wait until my children were out of the house to move. Mm-hmm. Um, I always – I have – lived in China and Shanghai for a while before too, but my kids have been out of the house for a while. Um, But having a family, obviously, I didn't want to be too far away. Uh, I basically see living in Bali almost. I was born in Perth, so, you know, Perth to Sydney, it's not so far, So Mm. and neither is Bali. So, Mm -hmm. you know, anything goes wrong and my kids need me, I can get there pretty easy but also um, Bali was actually the first place I ever traveled to back in 1986 so I always loved it Mm. Um, I don't I'm not a city person Um, I understand why younger you know I've got two children who still live in Sydney Um, I understand the attraction but I prefer a bit more of a natural environment. I, I Living in concrete does not feel good to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you know, Bali's so green. I can't deal with traffic. I get on my scooter. I drive five minutes to work. I do the same work I was doing there. I drive my scooter home. I can go to the beach afterwards. I've got a Bali dog, grab the dog, take it to the restaurant, Yeah, you know, sit there it's a good life it's a really really good life it's um very chilled very relaxed the food's amazing um and you know my petrol bill is lucky if it's five dollars a week you know speaking to my daughter in sydney who drives around quite a bit um you know two hundred dollars to fill up a car yeah so obviously I don't want to have to work so hard. Sydney is crazy expensive. Um, it's not getting any easier for young people. Um, and there's another way to live. You don't have to work till you're half dead. I mean, yeah. I used to work by the weekend. You just collapse and fall over. I don't have the energy to do all the fun things I even wanted to do. So. That was a big driver. It's an affordable lifestyle in a beautiful place. Um, yeah. And you make it happen. You just do the hard things. Yeah. And, and it, yeah, it's not that hard, obviously. I mean, I needed some savings to move here, get a place to live. Um, but I actually went approached the first clinic I knew about which is mm. uh, I work at Bali Healing, which has been here the longest time. It's been here about 15 years. Um, 
I knew they didn't have an acupuncturist. I basically just made an appointment to see the owner of the clinic and they sponsored me to get my visa. So my kita is my working visa. So, mm. um, yeah, it wasn't even as hard as I thought. But obviously you do need a plan of course. to work. Yeah. I was quite happy. Um, I had, you know, I saved to come here, you know, to have some time off. I was feeling quite burnt out, so I was quite happy. Didn't I wasn't going to be concerned if it took me six months to find my feet. Mm. Yeah, um, I allowed for that, but yeah, you just make it happen. It's not near as hard as people think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And so obviously you had to build up your client base and you had some clients coming from just the natural flow of being in a clinic environment. Exactly. And a long established clinic. Yeah. 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 A long established clinic. What have you done that has helped you in uh, gaining more clients? Um, Because a lot of people that listen to this podcast are in that process of setting up their own clinic or, you know, starting their own job or they're thinking about leaving their full-time corporate city job for a more holistic practice. So um, Uh, can you share a little bit about that? Yeah, I'll be honest, not much. Word of mouth has always been, for me, um, my biggest source of patience. If you know what you're doing and you're good at what you do, I've always found it just flows. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a business card printed, but that was, I'll be honest... Um, yeah. It really was about it. Um, it did help being in a, an established clinic. Uh, there is the natural flow, but just people talking, um, particularly in smaller places like Bali or smaller cities, yeah. it doesn't take long for people to talk. You know, this friend tells this friend or... You know, you treat that yoga instructor and they tell their yoga students or, yeah, yeah, word of mouth, particularly in somewhere like Bali, moves very quickly. Completely. Okay, let's get into some controversial kind of topics like veganism versus eating meat and eating salads and those type of things. Because I know, look, let's just say my background I came from Sydney, Australia, eat salads, they're healthy. Um, Let's just say I was brought up vegan and then vegetarian. So I spent most of my life, most of the first few decades of my life, not eating that meat. But when I started to see you, we, we wanted to work on regulating my period, reducing the pain in my period and just creating more chi in my body, more yin. Yeah. So let's talk about salads where should we start and meat let's start let's start with with animal protein okay i don't particularly enjoy looking about food because talking about food because food is just nourishment but people layer so many stories on top of food um you know ethical stories morality um Weight issues, um, yeah, it's such a loaded subject. And when you often talk to a patient, it's almost like you're talking about a religion. There's so much resistance to it. But it's not 
you know, it's emotional resistance based on stories. So that's always very important to take into the consideration. I mean, and particularly um, vegans and vegetarians, it can, be, it can give people a sense of identity. And to take that away is rocks their world. My reasons, particularly when I'm dealing with um, menstruating women for eating meat, is this. People at different stages of their life need different nutritional requirements. When women are menstruating, going through pregnancy, breastfeeding, having more children, the demands on the blood are so high. And I'm not just talking about iron, although iron is a substantial you know, one of the reasons for eating meat because there is no vegan source of iron that is well absorbed. It's just not. Um, I looked, I back in the days when I was in Australia, I also did live blood screening um, for about 10 years um, alongside with naturopathic stuff. And I've never seen a vegan woman's blood under the microscope look healthy Though the red blood cells should all be similar shape. What you always see is what they call microcytes, which are smaller than normal sized red blood cells or macrocytes, but they're not the right size. So it impedes the body's ability to transport oxygen around properly. Um, and same with B12. Uh, the most critical. Um, substances uh, to make a healthy red blood cell is folate or B9, um, B12 and iron. If you don't have any of those things, you will not form a healthy red cell, blood cell. And they've found the best absorbed, most concentrated source is red meat. It's as simple as that. Um, you know, when we're in our childbearing years, monthly we're losing blood. Our body needs to replace it. Men don't. They're not losing yeah. blood. When we go through pregnancy, we need our blood volume increases significantly. Our body needs to make so much more blood. It needs more raw ingredients to make the blood. Need it for the pregnancy, for the child, so the child's getting the best it can. Remember... In the nicest possible way, a child is like a parasite. It will take every single thing it needs from you and leave you depleted. So we also, while, you know, we're flooded with pregnancy hormones and, you know, want to give everything to the child, we need to look after ourselves because that's also going to put us in the best condition for post postpartum. Mm -hmm. When we have a baby, we lose so much blood. In Chinese medicine, breast milk is, we actually call it blood. It's like leaking your blood. So again, we need to replenish, replenish, replenish. And then when women want to go back and have more children, I can't tell you how many times in my practice I've heard women say, I've never felt the same since I had a baby. Their health drops a level and it never quite gets back. And a lot of this is to do because the pregnancy, childbirth and the, that early time after having the child has left them in a depleted condition. 
and they never catch up. Um, postpartum depression in Chinese medicine is blood deficiency. It's because the blood is so weak. Losing your hair, a lot of women lose hair after having a baby. It's because the blood is weak. It's all mm -hmm. blood loss. Um, so this is why, because the demands for women are so high and it's just so hard to get enough iron, um, B12, B9 in a vegan diet. As I said, if I had seen it, yay. I mean, I'm not particularly thrilled about slaughtering animals to eat either, but we are an animal and our body has basic fundamental needs that need to be met. And if we don't, our health is going to suffer. Morality and ethics, I'm not talking about. That's a different subject. Yeah. Um, and I'm not discounting that it's important. I'm just saying that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about having the best possible health. I'm not talking about eating a New York steak. You know, we should never have more than the size of the palm of the hand anyway, ever in one sitting. I mean, American portions are insane. Um, that is waste and gluttony and disrespectful to the planet because we take what we if everybody just took what they needed and no more the world wouldn't be in the state it's in but greed and more 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 mentality is led to this overconsumption of red meat but also it's not nearly as bad as a lot of the books say the source of the meat is very important like Grass-fed cows that wander have a good um, omega-3 profile and healthy mm -hmm. six and nine. The problem, as soon as you start getting to commercial, commercial industrial manufacture of meat, because yeah. they've fed corn or grain, it, it wrecks the fatty acid profile. So they become very high in six and nines, which we're getting way too many of anyway low yeah. in omega-3s and that's an inflammatory fatty acid profile so the meat becomes inflammatory so sourcing wild game being australian i mean you know really um wild kangaroo is the best source of red meat it's, it's extra we have to you know there's often problems with plagues of kangaroos too many um, it's a very concentrated meat, so you don't need much of it. Um, so just back to, it's just nutritional. This is why if I saw women go through this trend, uh, you know, their childbearing menstrual years without blood deficiency, I'd be more than happy. And simply taking an iron or B12 or folate tablet is not mm. really a substitution. You know, these are synthetic vitamins we're taking uh, it's not absorbed the same as food. We should always, if we can get it in a food, um, that is the best source rather than to be supplementing. So it really is just based on what I've seen. I myself was vegetarian for eight years when I first started studying. Mm. Um, and where I got into trouble was my first pregnancy. My iron was in single digits. Mm. Um, which is really, really low. Um, 
and I was pale. My mood wasn't great. I didn't feel great. I was tired all the time, and I, I've mm -hmm. never looked back. I yeah. never look back a different person eating meat. Um, Completely. And particularly blood group O, you know, vegetarianism is never going to work for blood group O. If you're feeling lost or directionless, I've created a two-hour dream life creator workshop where we look at identifying your values, your purpose, and your talents to create a new pathway to happiness and fulfillment. I guide you through my process of how I plan my dream life each year. Looking at the key areas of your life, work, health, wealth, training, travel, love, and family. I've been using this methodology for more than seven years to help me achieve and create the dream life I live today. Head to the show notes of this episode for more information on my dream life workshop. Different blood groups and different people. There is some variation in your genetic yeah. profile, but... Um, blood group O, which if you don't know, it is the most, it's the universal donor, it's the most prominent blood group, uh, definitely need to be eating meat. So it really is based on nutrition. Yeah. I've seen so many of my friends change their diets to include red meat. And yeah. the bags under their eyes have, you know, lessened, they have more energy, they are more satiated as well, because... I was someone that would eat salad, you know, let's just say a pumpkin salad, a spinach salad, whatever. And then, you know, after dinner, I'm starving and I go to sweet treats, you know, or something else to fill you up. I, so. I was the same. I could just never fill up. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And for those who, for whatever reason, are fixated on being vegan or vegetarian, I just invite them to ask, maybe just jot down what their reasons are and what are their belief systems around why they're choosing this mm -hmm. um, I, because that's key if you don't get around that then there's no change will happen but obviously I've seen thousands <laughs> of women reintroduce me especially in Bali I'm in my sixth year now here um it became very trendy, and I'm going to use that word trendy because it was just a trend based on bullshit science and no scientific background, and it just became a fad. Women would arrive and just stop eating meat without even knowing what a balanced vegetarian diet mm -hmm. would look like, you know, legumes and grains and yeah. greens, and they're not cooking. So they're just eating whatever out and not getting Smoothie anywhere bowls. near. Yeah, no nutrition. <laughs> so let's talk about, say, because in Bali, smoothie bowls are everywhere. I never have them because they're super cold. So let's talk about cold and Chinese medicine and how that affects people's digestion. Because I don't know one woman or one friend that hasn't had bloating or 
digestion problems or, you know, obviously it's interlinked with our nervous system and how we feel generally. But let's talk about digesting cold foods in Chinese medicine. Okay. So it's not just Chinese medicine. Ayurveda is basically... um, has exactly the same theory. So the concept is the digestive fire. It's a fire. And then think of the stomach as the pot that sits on the fire. Everything we drink has to be heated up, melted, so to speak, and then turned into chi and blood. So... When we have a cold smoothie bowl, it goes into the stomach and sits there and just puts out the digestive fire. Your body has to bring it to room temperature before it can even begin to start to digest it. Mm -hmm. We do know this instinctually. Look at us, you know, with baby. You would never give a baby a cold bottle or cold raw food. What do we do? We instinctually know their digestion's weak, so... We heat food, we mash it up, and we give it to them all mushy and Mm. warm, and bottles are warmed up. Same with sick people, convalescing people. We know that their digestion's weak, so we give them soup and broth because we know it's easier to digest. So one of the first things human beings was discovered fire, and one of the first things they did is started cooking on it. When we're cooking, we're actually, it's an alchemy of sort. We're adding the element of fire to the food. We're pre-digesting it, making it easier to digest. So a good tip, cook on a flame, a gas flame rather than electricity. It's a different energetic quality. Also, think about it, you know, one thing, you know, I also studied anthropology doing social science and um, you look at cultures, basically they've always survived eating the food that's around them. They had no choice. If they didn't, they died. It's as simple as this. Cold countries, there was never any salads and raw food to eat because it all froze. Um, And survival, the main predictor of survival was keeping warm. So they weren't going to eat ice and cool their bodies. They cooked all their food because it created more warmth in the body and it kept them alive. In hot countries, everything went off. You know, everything was perishable. So things went off so quick. So they cooked everything to kill, you know, the microbes. Obviously, in hot countries, sure, fruit grew on trees and they ate ate that. And that's fine because that fruit cools the body down Mm. in a hot environment. But you don't get tropical fruits growing in countries that snow. Nature, if you eat what's locally and growing around you, it's a really good indication of eating according to climate and to the natural seasons. You know, there's nothing wrong with a pumpkin salad in summer in the middle of the day. You know, a bit of leafy greens, cooked vegetables, cooked, you know, maybe asparagus, things like that. But you don't have those cold salads in Sydney in the middle of winter. 
right? So it's eat seasonally. You're much better off, you know, having maybe, you know, a vegetable soup cooked on, mm. uh, made with, you know, bone broth stock or yeah. a casserole or something. It's going to nourish and warm the body. Um, and fruit, I have no problem with, you know, eating a fruit, but if you live in a cold country, stick to your winter fruits, which will grow, you know, apples and peaches and plums. Tropical fruits are cooling. That's why they grow in the tropics. Um, yeah. And it's a snack. It's not a meal. And yeah. these smoothie bowls, not only do they... They freeze the fruit, then blend it, and then you're eating this ice fruit, which is basically just sugar. There's no protein. Um, it's not a meal. It's Fruit mm. can be a snack, but it's no replacement for meal. And what I find, um, you know, people who I, – I, I'll say it. I often have caused a vegan veganism a socially accepted form of an eating disorder because I'll be honest, um, with women I find women who have had any eating disorders are really attracted to these strict regimented eating patterns because it fits in the psychology of controlling food, um, being strict, it's all very controlled. So it's an easy adaption. Um, for them, and they also tend to lean towards these very high fruitarian type of diets, mm. um, which basically they're all protein deficient. You know, I take the pulse in Chinese medicine. You know, you want to feel the blood as full and voluminous. On with, there's nine positions. You want to feel it nice and full. What you feel on a, a vegan, it's a thin thready pulse and often with this too there'll be low blood pressure because there's not enough blood in the vessels to create pressure mm -hmm. so and especially if women should not be having low blood pressure unfortunately um you know western medicine as long as it's not high it's okay but low blood pressure you know when you sit up fast and you get dizzy or um feeling fainty and dizzy um, and you have low blood pressure, it's often the blood is not strong enough, not enough of it and not enough pressure in the vessels to create a healthy blood pressure. Um, mm. So, you know, these the salad diet and the um, smoothie bowls tend to go along with the veganism. Um, they all seem to come together. So, you know, eating isn't that complicated. Um, you know, a little bit of protein, a little bit of carbohydrate and plant food is what we should be eating at every meal. If, you know, you do a, a circle half cooked cooked plant food or if you're in a hot climate, Sydney summer, you know, a, a little salad with a bit of chicken and vegetables, no problem. You know, mm. so half plant food, quarter carbohydrate and quarter protein. You cannot go wrong. And also, it's pretty much eating like that. It's impossible to be overweight mm -hmm. because it's satisfying. I mean, if you overeat, of course, you're going to carry weight. Um, but if you just 
work with your own body's hunger and you're actually giving your body what it needs. You're not going to overeat. A lot of overeating too, your body's looking for some protein or energy and it's just taking people on the wrong track. But it's it's just really sensible, well-balanced eating. Yeah, I love yeah. that. Um, I came from eight years living in London and I was so shocked that all throughout the winter, like, you know, it's cold most of the year, let's let's face it. Yeah. And everyone's eating bananas and avocado and pineapple and all of the melons and all of the fruits. I stuck to apples and berries kind of thing because yeah. I kind of had that yeah. experience. Yeah. But for people that are in those type of, you know, mostly cold areas – what what are they you know should be skipping in in the um in the supermarkets well i think it's better to focus what they should be eating you know um you know making good porridge is a good breakfast um eggs a couple of times a week um you know soups stews you know made with basically protein and vegetables um stir fries were okay you know with a bit of brown rice vegetables protein um obviously we shouldn't be eating anything that comes in a package anything processed we should be staying away from so Mm -hmm. when you talk about the the supermarkets go down the you know the butcher section (laughs) Yeah. Go down the butcher section, um, come up through the fruit and veggie section and maybe get, you know, some quinoa or some barley for soups or some brown rice, um, yeah. you know, and a bit of good quality sourdough bread every now and again. If you don't have a gluten problem, there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. And people making these changes can feel better, not only in their body, have more energy, have better periods, and also better mental health. Mental health is huge. I mean, we all go sidewards from time to time, and I'm, I'm no different. And when the diet goes sidewards for me, um, and I'm a liverish type of person, and this is quite uh, typical for liverish type of people, sluggishness. Um, not just physical sluggish sluggishness, but mental sluggishness. Just the brain's a bit slower. It's foggy, lack of motivation. Um, yeah, just that sharpness, and mm. also motivation for life just mm-hmm. is flat. Yeah, but yeah, particularly women who have been vegetarian for long periods of time. You know, the number one complaint is they're tired tired all the time yeah and particularly if they're missing periods or they don't have a lot of period blood uh, another sign the blood is really weak there's not much of a menstrual flow and also the color's quite uh, pale pink and watery this Mm -hmm. is all sign the blood's not strong enough to really have a healthy period and if you're not having a healthy period you're not going to be uh, falling yeah. pregnant when you want to. Yeah. yeah. Also, the yeah. signs of your period is also just the signs of your health. You can literally 
look at your period as a as a a, an insight into how healthy you are it's basically i can look at somebody's period and it's telling me about every organ in their body it's like a general report card Mm. on that person's health for sure periods are a direct reflection of women's health and the other thing um People who are skipping their periods, it's not as common in Bali as what it is in Australia, but, you know, with the the implants and um, just keeping on the pill IUD and skip. Or, yeah. yeah. The injection. The, the period is a way in which a women's body detoxifies itself. It's a detoxification method, just the same as what comes out of all our organs, snot out of our nose, you know, urine, faces, you know, they're all, these are, we're excreting menstrual blood and we get a, women get a chance to detoxify. This is actually one of the theories behind why women live longer than men because we have an extra organ for detoxification. So it's Mm -hmm. not okay to just skip your period because you've got a party on that particular mm-hmm. particular day yeah what is that affecting when people are skipping their period or oh. just choose not to have a period wow massive 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 question well you completely put it, it depends on how they're doing but generally it's putting the liver under so much more pressure and in modernity and the way we live today the liver's already being hit in all directions you know toxic food the air we breathe isn't great it's hitting us from every direction and then we ingest either the pill or the implant we absorb or the iud or a copper which is the toxic metal we're absorbing so the liver just gets hammered so it mo- and then, you know, in Chinese medicine, again, it's, the, you know, it's a web. One organ affects every other. So mm-hmm. every organ affects everything and it stems from there. But, you know, especially with the liver, you're going to see things like bad skin, um, headaches, migraines, um, dark when they do have a period the the blood flows dark and clotty um Mm. it can even have a smell um you know yellow smelly vaginal discharge rashes itchy skin these are all Mm. signs that the liver's really and mood the liver is the most important organ for stabilizing mood so moods that swing is always mm-hmm. liver so mm-hmm. it plays out it plays out everywhere okay so so that we're not all doom and gloom i remember <laughs> in my 20s i was on the pill i had the iud once uh i drank coffee soy cappuccinos skipped breakfast had painful periods definitely my mood in my 20s was more all over the place so it's possible to reverse right and change <sighs> The liver, um, not just in Western medicine, but in Chinese medicine, is the most easily to treat organ. It responds so well, um, you know, 
getting enough sun, getting enough sleep, stopping with the coffee, just get on um, clean foods, uh, go see a healthcare practitioner to support your liver to clean up. It responds really quickly, really mm -hmm. quickly. Because the liver is very much involved with moving cheese, so even with acupuncture, it's the quickest organ to treat. So it's all very treatable, particularly the liver. Okay, I love that. So listeners at home, it is particularly okay. It's it's okay. Um, you're not all doom and gloom, and we can uh, treat these things. So maybe seek out an acupuncturist near you or if you're coming on a holiday to Bali come see Michelle um, we're going to dive into some more questions um, from our community I've got one question about folate and pregnancy what is the best way to take it is it needed um, I see pregnancy supplements all over the place what do we actually need to take okay this is a really good question so Folate is B9 and occurs naturally in green leafy vegetables. It actually comes from the Greek word foliage. Now, here's the thing. Folic acid is completely synthetic. It does not occur in nature at all. The body can convert folic acid to folate. But why on earth would you give your body something that doesn't even exist in nature? Folate then has to convert to folinic acid and then to a um, compound called um, LMTHFR. Now, they have done enough research to know uh, a lack of folate can cause some birth defects. So I think all pregnant women absolutely should take a folate supplement. But... The cheapest version is folic acid and they went to the extent that it was so widespread folate deficiency because of all our processing of foods. In Australia, it's in the cereals, it's in the bread. Check all your labels because you don't want to be taking folic acid because folic acid can also interfere with the absorption of natural folate and you don't want to be doing that. Now, the other problem, some people who are very aware might have heard of the um, MTHFR gene, um, gene mutation. It can be hetero or homozygous. So if you have this mutation, what it means is you can't convert folate into its usable form very well. So if you have both genes from a parent, it means you might actually only be able to convert about 30% of um, dietary folate into the usable form so somebody like this is going to show deficiency signs and symptoms and maybe why some people were getting birth defects related to folate metabolism mm -hmm. so somebody like that needs to take folate in the form it's um, this, this an acronym l hyphen m t h f r in this form because the body doesn't have to convert. It's already in its usable form. And I, if you are going to take a supplement, why not take it in the usable form? It can also be called activated B9, which is means it's in the usable form of folate. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this goes for all B vitamins. They should always be either in what they called methyl, methyl form or activated form. Methyl folate also means it's in this L-MTHFR form. So if you're going yeah. to take supplements, take them in the activated form. At least you know you're not relying on um, your body to convert them. So I think with um, there's just no reason in this time that anybody should have folate deficiency. And, of course, yeah. you know, eat lots of leafy green vegetables. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. What is one thing that you want to tell uh, my community about women's health that is not maybe so kosher or so um, well-liked? Ooh. Ooh. You should have prepared me for this one. <laughs> um, where can I start? Well, it's not... Okay, I know exactly what I want to say. It makes me so wild that so many people in the Western medical profession see and treat women like they're little men. We're so different, you know, depending on what time phase of the month in our menstrual cycle, um, our chemistry is different. We're varying all the time. And there's no appreciation of this. Um, Men's hormones basically the same day in, day out, day out. You know, you can't treat a woman like that. I was, one thing that's really interesting, most, and it's not just medicine, it's also the, um, what do you call it, motivational, you know, achievement um, people, you know, daily habits, you do the same thing every day. That doesn't work for women. We're not the same every day. At different times in the months, what we're good at is actually different. And we should plan our lives around our menstrual cycle. You know, when you're ovulating, for instance, you know, if you're going to give a speech or, you know, present or do something that involves social engagement or train really hard or lift heavier weights, you do it now. Um, You know, when you're on your period, it's a quieter time. All the energy is naturally going in and down. So it's more of a time for reflection, re-evaluating, going inward, connecting with yourself, grounding. It's not a time to be going partying and, you know, it's quiet time. And I think we all naturally feel that anyway. We always want to withdraw a little bit from society in our period and be quiet. And, you know, we should be allowed to to do that. And women should, and knowing this, I think, just gives us women permission to do things a little bit differently, you know, rather than put pressure on ourselves to be performing every day of the Mm -hmm. month no matter what yeah yeah we talk about this a lot on the podcast i've had some other period coaches um and i I teach this in my business course as well how to structure your business around your um, periods but i know you have an amazing online course where you share from your background your decades of background um how to really embrace all of those different phases of um, a woman do you want to talk a little bit about that 
Sure. Well, I have. Um, I also, you can find out more about the course on um, my Instagram, Flowing Room Anne. Um, and it's lots of tips there, free, you know, with more, more about what we're talking about. But yes, I've also written a course on basically how to balance your hormones, get rid of PMS completely. There's so much women can actually do for themselves. Um, it's quite an extensive course coming from my naturopathic background and acupuncture, um, lots of dietary advice, you know, talking about the cycling um, aspects, but also very specifically what supplements are good at what times of the month, what dosage of the supplements and what form to take them in. You know, if you need magnesium, you don't want to be taking it in a salt, you want it in amino acid chelate. That's the studied form. Get it in the right dose, the right formu formulation. Uh, also, what, how to use Chinese herbs, how to work out. I go through all the different patterns, the main patterns that present. There's a lot on Digestify, how to get that, that working. I basically cover it all. And yes, I have put a little uh, promotion code um, to yeah. give a... A discount on the course that you can put underneath for people are inter yes. interested. It's quite a good Perfect. setting. What's the course called? It's called Flowing Woman. Woman. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're going to end on the a last little question. The podcast is obviously, you know, is called Consciously Alive. So what is something that women can do every day to feel consciously alive? I think one of the big things for women is the biggest thing is grounding. We're so busy running around and women more than men, even in Chinese medicine, we're yin, they're yang. Earth is yin, heaven is yang. We draw yin energy through the bottoms of our feet into our womb. So, you know, the women of South America know this, you know, they they get rid of their underwear, wear their big flowing skirts, take their shoes off and basically connect from their womb to the the earth to ground themselves. But, I, you know, even if women for just five minutes a day take their shoes off, you know, you can stand, sit, meditate and just consciously connect into the earth to keep us grounded. You know, all this stimulus is up and out, uh, brains we're drawing the energy up to our heads all the time and I see women unfortunately more than men running around like chooks with their heads cut off trying to do everything around a grab all at once and I talk to them and they're all over the shop and how can you think straight when you're all over the shop just you know stop breathe ground adding in a coffee to that and lacking in vitamins and nutrients. No wonder there's so much rise in mental health these and days. And lack of and sleep. Stress. And lack sleep. Of sleep. You know, I ask a woman who, you know, one good night of sleep and they feel like a different person. But yeah. it's no way, how can you be conscious if you're scattered and thinking of 10 different things? There's no intention. There's no consciousness your consciousness is basically being split mm. into 10 places Completely. at once. So 
slow down, take a breath and ground in. And yeah, that would be my number one thing. So simple. <laughs> so simple, but I think we just so need to remember simple. and get reminded. And that's the other thing. I don't think health, diet and all this stuff should have been made this complicated. The basics are not. And the thing is, People get into too much detail and forget about the basics. Good nutrition, good sleep, movement, sunlight, good relationships, downtime. It's not that hard. Mm. But they're just not prioritized by a world because it's all achievement orientated, which doesn't work, work, work. give space. Jim, Jim, Jim doesn't give space for anybody and anybody is doing five to seven gym classes a week listen (laughs) slow it down it's such a masculine form of exercise balance i'm not saying don't go to the gym but just bring in some more feminine movement into that however it looks whether it's pilates yoga dancing Mm -hmm. i don't know yeah water ballet i don't know but just bring in some more yin feminine yin energy to the mix amazing thank you so much michelle there's been so many great tips i'm gonna leave your instagram and your website in the notes below and uh yeah i'll see you soon for my next appointment (laughs) thank you for having me and thank you everybody for listening thanks michelle bye Oh my goodness, I loved that conversation and there has been so many things that I've had to unlearn that Michelle has taught me since being here in Bali Um, and it's really helped me be so much healthier, feel so much more alive, have so much more energy. So I hope that you got to take one or two or three tips from today's conversation. Um, Definitely check out Michelle's Flowing Woman course. It's normally $169 and it is now $99. Use the code PC99 at the checkout to receive that discount. And if you're hearing the, oh, I I already go to the gym five to seven days a week and I'm probably needing to invite some more yin energy into your life, some more feminine, some more slowing down, getting that groundingness in, inviting some more kind of peace and calm into your body and your nervous system. Inside the self-care space, more than 250 classes and rituals that have been designed to support you in each of your different menstrual cycles so if you are in your bleed this week there is some beautiful yin classes to help uh, adjust or help to aid your um, sometimes your stomach cramps there's some beautiful meditations for when you're in that uh, premenstrual phase of your cycle where you're feeling more frustrated and irritated there are some emotional release practices in the, in there as well so if you want to check that out you get a seven day free trial it's less than one pound a day um, and it is literally designed for women by women um, so that you feel more grounded more alive and more in touch with your body 
As always, thank you so much for listening and tuning in. If you would love um, to help me out leaving a review with a comment on the Apple uh, podcast platform really helps to show uh, Apple that people are listening and they're loving it. Also, a five-star rating on Spotify really helps as well, and it means the world to me so that we can get this information out to more women. Thank you much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. For more information on how to work with me, or if you're ready to start your own business journey with my Conscious Coaching Business course, please visit www.phoebegreenacre.com. Or if you need to top up on your emotional self-care, head to the selfcarespace.co for my online library of healing, somatic therapy, yoga, yin, meditation, sound healing, and lots, lots more. Start your free seven-day trial today.